Our New Testament reading this morning comes from John chapter 15, verses 13 through 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is the word of the Lord. Our passage from Proverbs this morning, actually there are several different passages, and it's not because I'm cherry picking, it's because this is kind of the way Proverbs works. So it's different than a lot of other books in the Bible where you start at the beginning and you move through verse by verse. Proverbs will take topics and sort of just dot that topic all over the book. So if you're dealing with a particular topic, which is kind of the way you have to move through the book of Proverbs, you wanna pull verses. So we've got four verses this morning that we're reading from. We're talking about um, the wisdom of true friendship and what, what true friendship looks like in the book of Proverbs. Our first verse, Proverbs 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. 1824. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 19 and 4, wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. And Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Father, we thank you now for this here, your word in Proverbs, help us to glean the wisdom of these passages and transform our hearts that we may gain a heart of instruction and wisdom and knowledge as you've given it to us in your holy word. May we be convicted and convinced of its truth and transformed by it through your spirit to leave this place differently than the way we came in. In Christ's name, amen. Well, one of the ironies of our digital age is that while we may be more connected to other people, we're struggling more than ever to find deep relationships within the sort of sea of acquaintances that we're swimming in, right? Uh, the digital age connects us to people and organizations and groups and social media. And so there are all these connections and some of you may feel at one time, maybe you feel that now, sort of good about how, you know, how many friends you have on Facebook. Or, and it's not only social media, but it's just that the digital age we live in connects us to other people. A recent study revealed that while our social networks have increased, we're having trouble classifying which ones are suitable for important discussions. In other words, the number of close friends we have has shrunk even though the number of social connections we have has increased, if that makes sense. So the number of, of, of deep friendships, of actual true friendships has, has shrunk even though the number of actual social connections has increased. Now Proverbs 24, 1824 seems to touch on the challenge that this presents, and it says, he that makes many friends does it to his own destruction. It's as if, for having more friends, we're bereft of real friendship. And it's hurting us as a society. 
Professor of sociology at Cornell University, Matthew Brashears says, we should be less concerned about social isolation or lacking any social contact and more concerned about social poverty and having adequate support. The answer may lie in reducing the quantity of connections in favor of quality connections. I personally call this the Netflix effect. It's uh, as the choices increase, you're sort of left with the conundrum of deciding who may be the best person to share information with and open your heart up to, and in the end, you're unable to decide and you fall asleep with the remote in your hand. So what do we need to know to have meaningful friendships? The first thing we need to look at is uh, the theocentric principle. So one of, one of the ways we avoid moralizing in the book of Proverbs is we identify a particular value that Proverbs is communicating to us by grounding it in the very character of God. So number one, according to scripture, friendship originates in the character of God. God is a friend. He friended Abraham and Moses by helping them in a time of need and by revealing himself to them. James 2.22 says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Exodus 33.11 says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So first and foremost, friendship is something that has its origin in the very character of God. God is a friend. He's a friend to us. Our New Testament reading that Chad read this morning in John 15 reveals that Jesus is the archetype of friendship when he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus is, well, a friend of sinners. So friendship originates in the character of God. Secondly, adversity reveals true friends. Adversity reveals true friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Uh, Don't raise your hands right now, but I mean, just think how many of you have a friend like that, where you could say, this is a friend in my life who was born for adversity. You know, the kind of friends where, like, when the going gets rough, they just come closer to you. And there are other friends, when trials and things like that happen, they split. They hightail it. But other friends, they draw closer to you, often revealing, wow, I didn't know they loved me that much. When you find people like that, grab onto them, hold on to them, and draw close to them, and in return, they'll draw close to you, because we need friends like that. And we should be friends like that. Sometimes when bad things happen to our friends, we feel, oh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna intrude. It's a very hurtful thing going on in their life. I don't know if, listen, uh, you should err on the side of intrusion when it comes to trials in other people's lives. Because it says a friend loves at all times, not some of the times, but at all times, especially when the going gets rough. Trials are a funny thing, you know, they reveal to us who your true friends are. This verse is a parallel, meaning that the friend who loves at all times is a brother born for a crisis or a sister. 
In other words, the friend that loves at all times is a brother. The friend who loves at all times is a sister. Close, born for a crisis. A true friend is there for you through thick and thin. I remember in seminary, I took a class on world missions and our professor was telling us about the different conceptions of friendship in the Western world versus the developing world, particularly Africa and Asia. So what's confusing about the way we are as Americans is we value friendliness, but not so much friendship. In other words, people will come from all over the world and say Americans are the friendliest people I've ever encountered because for us, we're a very nice culture and we, think we, we, we have a premium on being polite so we will smile at complete strangers, something that doesn't happen in many parts of the world. We'll say a kind word to someone we don't even know. In fact, we'll say things we don't even really mean to come across as nice to people. And particularly people in Asia, uh, in the Middle East and Africa, um, Christians in that part of the world um, who experience missions uh, and missionaries have explained that this is confusing. Because in that part of the world, particularly in more tribal parts of the world, you choose your friends very carefully. So you're not really friendly with everyone because you don't know if you can trust that person. But when you become friends with someone, that person does not need to announce they're coming over your house. In fact, if they were to surprise you with a surprise visit, you would consider it a great honor. And so there is initially a very high wall of friendship, but once that wall is you know, um, climbed over, People will give their lives for their friends. Whereas here, in America, we have an initially a very low wall of friendship. And so people, especially from that part of the world, they think, oh, I've got a friend, that was really easy. And they call you up at one in the morning, say my tire is flat on King's Highway. And you go, don't, don't answer it. And, and, and they're shocked that you weren't there for them because from where they're from, that's what friends do. But in America, that's not what friends do. In America, friendships are often about convenience. Don't inconvenience me. Don't show up to my house unannounced. You know, I'm your friend to a point. And so there's a difference in uh, friendship, our conception of friendship. Number three, there are different gradations of friendships. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. Now, I know I used this verse earlier to support the fact that many friends can be dangerous, but the reason it may be dangerous is not just a um, quality over quantity thing, but the fact that if you trust people too quickly, you might end up getting burned, right? You don't ask the gardener to guard the family treasures and you don't entrust your heart's secrets to someone you just met. So what should we do? We need to identify the friends in our life who have deep character and draw close to them. So if you just kind of like close your eyes for a minute and think of all the people you know and sort of identify an inner group of acquaintances of people who you think have deep character, those are the people you should be drawing close to because among that group there are people who will stick closer to you than even a family member. You know, some of us have complicated relationships with our biological family and hopefully most of us have that one person in your life where you can sort of share everything with and they still love you. I mean, 
I've talked to so many people over the years and uh, about where they, where they want to live and, and um, people are often not crazy about living like down the street from family because those relationships are complex. But having a friend that you can share anything with and they share anything with you, reciprocation's a, a, big, a big deal, you know that? Um, when you share something with someone, your hope is that in turn they'll share things with you. Specifically, this is the way men function. Uh, I, I'm not neglecting women, but as not being a woman, I, I'm still trying to learn how their friendships operate. But with men specifically, a man uh, will not share an intimate, dark secret uh, or a detail of his heart unless the other person reciprocates. And so these are all things that we bring into consideration when we think about what it means to, to be friends and to be friends that stick close to one another, closer than a brother. Fourth, money can complicate friendships. Proverbs 19 and four. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Everyone wants to be friends with the rich, but no one wants to associate with the poor. The poor, after all, have problems and often need the generosity of other people to survive. And that's a burden. On the flip side, wealth attracts people, but you know some of them are leeches, not real friends. I hope that doesn't sound harsh, but like, I mean, you know, that's what the proverb is saying. That for the wealthy, everybody wants to be their friend, but they're not all true friends. If you have money and you can do things for people, you have no shortage of friends, right? They'll come out of the woodwork. Lottery winners often describe how after winning the lottery, you know, people who hadn't talked to them, cousins and uncles and third cousins and aunts and brother-in-laws or whoever, they just come out of the woodwork. You know, I remember one, uh, hearing one story of someone who had won a million dollars. And by the way, a million dollars is just not a lot of money today. You know, but after, after you've paid taxes and kind of maybe paid your house and your mother's house off, this person said like after they had just like kind of taken care of the bills and like just helped out immediate family members, they had like $37,000 left. And they had people still coming to them, other distant family members saying, hey, I need some help. And they said, I don't have any money left. And they said, what do you mean? You want a million dollars? He said, a million dollars is not a lot of money. But friends just came out of the woodwork. And so wealth brings many friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friends. But on the flip side, many seek the favor, Proverbs 19 and six, many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. It's been said that powerful men have followers and competitors, they do not have friends. Which means that the ultra-rich in our world are probably pretty lonely. I know, I know, like don't, never feel sorry for someone with a private jet, but you know, they're probably lonely. They pro it probably is really hard to discern when you are a Bill Gates or a Warren Buffett, like who is truly a friend? Um, money can complicate things. It can make friendships hard to discern. Now on the flip side, if, if you're someone who has a friend with a lot more money than you, um, 
it's probably good for you to check your own heart in relationship with that person by, there are things you can do um, to sort of examine your own heart what the relationship is really built off. So if every time you go out, that person is sort of offering to pay and often does pay, maybe every once in a while, you offer to pay. And, and sometimes that, that, that's a good way just to check your own heart, right? I mean, sometimes we have friends who have lots and lots more money th- than us, and when we go places, we just know they're gonna get the check because we know that they know that we know they have tons of more money than us. And so when we go out, we just, we just kind of let them grab the check. And there's nothing, you know, for the most part, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way, that's their way of loving you. But it's good every now and again just to get the bill for your own sake, not for their sake, for your own sake. Because it checks the motive of the relationship. And then finally, and this one I saved for last because it may be the most important verse on friendship in the whole Bible. So the other points have been just kind of like a warm up. We're just. We're just warming up here on friendship, okay? But this one may be the most important in the entire Bible on friendship. Number five, true friends say hard things. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Here's a counterintuitive observation. Correction can be better than love, or what we often interpret to be love, which in our culture today is sort of uh, unbridled acceptance and unquestioned affirmation, right? I mean, that's, that's the popular conception of love in our culture today. If you love me, you'll never say anything hurtful to me. If you love me, you will only affirm me in every way, right? And as Christians, we find this really tough because we find people thinking that we're hateful because we don't often approve of everything everyone does, right? We don't approve of every lifestyle out there, although we want to love people. And so this is tough for us, but this is a good word for us because this is exactly where our culture is right now. They want kisses, they don't want wounds. When a friend points out to us that our hair is sticking up at weird angles or we have a stain on our shirt or spinach in our teeth, uh, we might be embarrassed, but ultimately we're thankful, right? And the first thing you do when you go like this and you get the spinach out of your teeth is you wonder how many people that day saw you with the spinach in your teeth and didn't say anything. I remember one day I, I was brushing my teeth and I spilled toothpaste on my shoulder and there was this massive glob. And I noticed at about 5 p.m. and I had been interacting with people all day long and I thought not a single person had the courage to tell me there was a glob of like Aquafresh on my shoulder. <laughs> but when a friend lovingly exhorts us and points out things that are wrong in our lives, sin in our lives, It isn't easy to hear. As much as we think we want that, the truth is it's not easy to hear when people have a word of correction for us. At first, you know, we're offended by it. But according to the book of Proverbs, if we're wise, we'll listen. Proverbs 9, 7 through 9 says, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse 
And he who reproves a wicked man may man incurs injuries. Don't reprove a scoffer or he'll hate you. Reprove a wise man and he'll love you. Rebuke a wise person, correct a wise person, exhort a wise person and they'll love you for it. In other words, it's the fool who never wants correction. It's the fool who cannot hear anything about themselves ever. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he'll increase in learning. Open correction is better than hidden or secret love, even if the person being corrected does not immediately perceive it as flowing from love. You've probably had people in your life who told you things, and at the time it was hard to receive. Now that you have distance from it, you knew they they hit the nail on the head, But because your heart maybe wasn't in the right place at the time, that relationship is probably toast. But when you look back, you realize, no, they they were right. Right? Like a lot of us probably have a story like that because it is hard to receive correction. Sharon Miller, in an article for Christianity Today entitled, Why Niceness Weakens Our Culture, touches on this very topic. And she says, niceness has become a social currency in our culture. The friend who says a hard thing that we need to hear, the pastor who holds us accountable, the leader who disrupts the status quo, these not nice behaviors are frequently met with swift rejection and even rage. Friendships end, church members leave, social media burns with outrage. These kinds of reactions tell us something about the role of niceness in our culture. It isn't just a social expectation, it's a sacred cow. In their book, Thanks for the Feedback, another book that I'm reading right now, Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen say that feedback is always seen as right when we give it, but wrong when we receive it. The entire book focuses on those receiving feedback, not the ones giving it. Because it's always the receivers who get offended, right? We always think we give it the right way. Now there's some tips in there about how to give feedback and correction. I'm gonna get into that here in a second. But it's just hard for us to hear things about ourselves, especially when we don't think it's right. If you think of someone close to you who said something to you that really offended you, um, and you should reevaluate. So think of someone who said something to you that was close to you and it offended you. Take a moment and reevaluate whether they were completely off base or whether it was your inability to hear the truth. Was it criticism or was it correction? There's a difference. Criticism recognizes only the problem, but correction offers solutions. So criticism just says, I didn't like the way you did this, I didn't like what you said. You, you know, it, it essentially is, is, it's often very subjective, but correction says, here's something I think you could have done better. It's a very practical advice here. So was it criticism or was it correction or was the timing just bad? This is something you need to, Keep in mind, when you are talking to people, the timing of a rebuke is everything, right? If a neighbor calls you to tell you their spouse just left them, it's probably not the right time right at that moment to launch into a discussion of how they could have been a better spouse, better husband or better wife. Like that conversation may need to happen, but not right at that moment. 
If a friend gets fired from a job, you may want to wait before confronting their poor work ethic, right? So the day they call you and tell you they were fired, that may not be the right time to say, I told you so, right? Save that down the road. Those conversations may need to be had, but timing is everything. So two things we need to remember. There's a difference between correction and criticism, and the timing of a rebuke matters. So what do we need to know? We need to know that true friendship doesn't shrink back from correcting. It doesn't avoid confrontation. Look at the last verse. Proverbs 27 and 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I wonder if the gospel writers had this in mind when they tell us that that Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Not an insult. Beware of the person who only flatters you. There's a few nice, a few helpful sayings about flattery here. Flattery corrupts both the receiver and the giver. Flattery succeeds best on minds previously occupied by conceit. In other words, you love flattery when you're already thinking you're great, right? I mean, if someone gives you flattery, hopefully the response is, well, you know, I appreciate that. I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, but you know, if you already think you're pretty great and someone flatters you, you just, you just beam with pride. And finally, flattery is like gum. Chew on it, but don't swallow it. Listen, friends say hard things sometimes, and the truth hurts. And that might be why we find ourselves receiving wounds from friends who tell us things, because the truth does hurt, right? In fact, the, the, the more visceral your response to someone's correction, it's probably the... The, the proof that they've touched on a nerve or they've touched something true. But the idea of receiving hard things from someone who loves us, doesn't that square, though, with the very character of God? Right? Doesn't like God say hard things to us? I mean, I, I mean read, if you read Scripture, you, you are confronted by the fact that, that God loves us for who we are, but wants to change us into something else, right? He loves us on account of Christ, so he accepts us the the way we are, but doesn't want to leave us the way we are, and so to sanctify us, he tells us things about ourselves in his word, he gives us his holy standard, and those are hard things to hear. And so there are a lot of hard sayings in the Bible, but it squares with God's very character. God corrects us, why? Because he loves us. God wounds us and he heals us. And in the end, we're better for it. It may feel good not to ever receive a word of rebuke, but it doesn't make you any better. It doesn't make you any more like Jesus. It may feel good for someone always to stroke your ego and flatter you, but it doesn't actually improve you. Is there a relationship strained right now in your life because someone close to you said not what you wanted to hear but what you needed to hear? Is there someone that you've impugned with bad motives 
because what they said hurt, not necessarily because it was untrue, because again, the truth often hurts. May our words be so carried with love that when we deliver correction, it's received well, but more importantly, may our hearts be steeped in love so that when we receive correction, we won't take offense. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for uh, this very practical word from these verses in Proverbs, teaching us what the wisdom of friendship looks like, what wise and true friendship looks like reflected in your holy word. And may we be so transformed that we would be like Christ, our Savior, who was a friend and laid down his life for others, who saw his own life in the sacrifice and service of others. May we be taken up with that very task of sacrificing and serving others and also being courageous when the time comes to rebuke and to correct in a spirit of love and grace. Father, we thank you now for these things in Christ's name. Amen.